Today is the first installment in what may be a long and interesting story series called Psychopomp Diaries. And this one is all about that time I went to a gate to hell. (laughs) The reason why I'm telling this story is because it brings together a lot of threads of what I've been talking about in the Crow Medicine Astrology podcast, as well as in my blog and in my books. This is one of those stories where we learn a little bit more about how energy works and what a psychopomp is, and what a psychopomp does, and how all of these things I keep talking about, like shifting our harmonics and calling back our soul and healing wounds of the planet, all come together to pay off. So if you like this story, if you want to hear more of these stories, please let me know. If you're listening on Spotify, I'm going to add a little question thing at the bottom of the episode. You can just give me some positive feedback if this is something you'd like to hear more of, or even better, if you have a question about what psychopomp life is all about. I am excited to tell these stories, my friends. This is an intimate version of what it is like to live life on the other side. All right, before we launch into the story of how I found myself at the gate to hell, maybe we will talk just a few minutes about what a psychopomp is, why we are necessary, and who I as a psychopomp am. So starting it all off, a psychopomp very simply is a person who is able to support other people as they make their journey into this world, out of this world, or as they are having different types of emergences and births and rebirths and death moments in their current life stream. So What that means is that a lot of the time, I am somebody that is present when you are pregnant. Um, I'm somebody that you come and find when there's a person who is about to die. Or I'm somebody that a lot of the time people will lean on when they're going through a life transformation. And so that is what I do um, all of the time, basically, is move souls and help souls. And not all of those souls are people who I speak to directly. In fact, a lot of the time, I in the last couple of years, I've been in full concentration doing it because there were so many extra people who were moving around as a result of negative things that were happening and and not being able to get the help that they needed because we were all isolated. I had to go kind of inside and really just only focus on helping people make their transitions into themselves and helping people who were experiencing soul fragments reconnect with parts of their wounds so that they would not be messed up as people for the rest of their lives. And so this is kind of a mouthful. Why is your soul and soul fragments and souls being unified as one important? Not all all psychopomps have the same orientation, and not all of the people who would call themselves this are good people. Um, Not everybody wants your soul to be somewhere safe. Not everybody wants your soul to be unified. And not everybody wants you to feel good about your life on this earth. And so one of the reasons why a lot of spiritual traditions will have somebody that is present at birth or at death or at different life stages, like confirmation if you're Catholic, it's because these are also times when your soul is making a major transition. It's making and having and experiencing a change in how it interfaces with this world. So 
when a person is being born, for example, um, the process of a baby's soul connecting to the body happens at some point in utero. It's that's up to, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to comment further because this isn't going to turn into a bait, but at some point in utero, before a child is ready to move into this world, they do connect to their, to their body. And the actualization, the full soul body connection piece for a lot of children happens as they cross the barrier from between their mother and into this world. And so having somebody who is a spiritual representative help prepare the birth canal or prepare for the birth or be present at the birth or to be there right after the birth, as is the case in a lot of spiritual traditions, is a way that people honor the transformation of that soul and help make sure that that soul has been kept safe. And the same thing goes with a funeral. If a person is making their transformation out of this world, that means that they are going to be going on a journey to reunite with their source or to go to a certain destination predetermined by their soul where they're going to um, gather their thoughts and think about everything that they did in this life. And so that's where people would call it your judgment period. It's not always what you think it is. A lot of the time it's you judging yourself. But, you know, what you do in your life does determine about what happens afterward. If that's a question, I can talk about that another time. However, at the point of transition, one of the reasons why a priest or somebody like me is valuable is that when a soul leaves the body, there's also sometimes fear and loneliness. And sometimes the soul doesn't remember their path home. And so somebody like me takes you by the hand and makes sure that you get there safe. So other versions of people like me that you might have heard about in myth, um, the my favorite one would be the Valkyries. Um, another one is the Grim Reaper, which I really identify with, and I'm not afraid to say that anymore. As a child, you know, I was a person who would, I've done this for as long as I have existed, as long as there were souls on the move. And the reason why I do this and have always done this is because, and this is where it gets kind of scary, and you'll you'll know more about it when I tell the story about the gate to hell. Like I said, not everybody wants all souls to be free. And human souls and the souls of the people on this planet became targeted by some really greedy, disgusting things. And if you're a science fiction fan, you're aware of the concept. Maybe think about the spice like in Dune. And so for people who were coming and going or people who are making transformations like around the age of 13 and 7 and, and, and 4 and, you know, there's different ways that your soul moves through your body through your life, which I'll talk about in a different podcast, you become vulnerable at those times to energies that seek to hurt you. And so somebody like me, a psychopomp, has traditionally been around to help protect people. And we are especially important right now because the concept and the dialogue around soul has been pretty much forgotten in a lot of circles, or it's been extremely limited to one type of conversation in a very specific and regimented kind of place that, in my opinion, kind of takes away the clause of what taking care of your soul is supposed to be about to protect you um, and to help you harness and, and align yourself. To me, um, the most important thing that we could be doing is to train ourselves about how to receive ourselves and to take and to learn the basic tools of how to take care of ourselves, which is why that sets at the basis of my training. But unfortunately, for right now, as the world is transitioning into recognizing that is important again, we've had this serious time in the last, you know, a couple of centuries where people have just kind of forgotten about practices of the soul and their souls have been kind of easy fodder for really gross things. And so as a person who takes care of the planet, as well as being a psychopomp, for me, it goes hand in hand. 
because souls, when they have um, a negative interaction or something negative happens to them, as is the case with courses of history, which I'm going to tell you about in the next example, you know, there are two specific things that happen um, in this gate to hell area that allowed it to become what it was that called me in the first place to go fix it. Um, when there is significant negative action or interaction or a big death toll or something like September 11th that happens, it leaves an imprint in the land and it leaves a huge mark that can become a negative negative polarity point that really weighs down everything that happens in the geographic region around it. And it starts to lower its vibration. So when stuff like that happens, you see increases in crime, you see increases in psychic attacks, you see um, degradation of businesses. Anybody who has been involved in caretaking of the planet knows that the more love you put into a place, energetically speaking, the more you take care of its vibration, the more it becomes sustainable, not only environmentally, but also the tone and the character of it changes and it becomes a more pleasant place. And so that's just kind of how energy and polarity works. And so me as a psychopomp slash caretaker of the planet, I will hear places that need my help. I will hear places that have a significant negative energetic imprint that is related to something and I will know that I have to go fix it. And so in the case of the story that I'm about to go tell you, I got called to one of my favorite places, which is Niagara Falls. It's a place I have been going since I was about 13 years old. And this time it was during the June 21st, solst June 21st, 2022 solstice phase. And if you remember on this page, we had had a really rough winter and we had talked about that a lot during the astrology podcast. I suppose if you're in the Southern Hemisphere, it was your summer. So December through June, December 21st to June 21st, that was six months of really hard work. And if you recall, on June, we started moving into raising the harmonic of the masculine frequency. And we were being inspired to do that through Mars and Uranus and Jupiter. So I made a special podcast about it. You can listen to it, but I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version here. And it was in the harmonic of the Mars-Jupiter uh, Aries Uranus thing that was being toned in the human energy collective that I knew where and what we were going to be working on to heal this. So you know that my astrology sounds different than a lot of other people's. That's not because they're wrong and I'm right or I'm wrong and they're right. It's because I'm telling astrology from the space of what we're healing in the planet. So when you tune into my reports, it's always about what's going to be coming up in the collective and it's about how to get to your highest harmonic of that. So on this particular journey, going to Buffalo, New York, what I thought was going to happen was that I was going to do a really nice toning of the masculine energy and I was going to do it on solstice. Well, my friends, <laughs> that is not how that journey turned out at all. And in the next segment, I will tell you all about it. All right, so it's June 2022, and we are in the process of moving into a summer or winter, depending on where you're at, a season, we'll call it, of dredging up and healing some of the harshest and hardest imprints that were residing in the masculine energy archetype. And we were being inspired to do this through the planets. And in particular, as I celebrated at the time on June solstice, we had a conjunction of the moon and Jupiter. Mars was at perihelion. Then a close approach of the moon and Jupiter, and we had a several 
important dates right around that time. And so energetically, metaphysically, what that meant is that some people like me were going to have to go and figure out when and where and what was going on with the planet in terms of the history of the people who had lived there to see uh, if there was any energy that was ready to be healed that was related to this kind of stuff. So taking it very light because I don't want to get into the most gory details and let me tell you they're incredibly gory (laughs) details. Um, For me, I work and live now in America and I live in one of the very dense dense, one of the most densely populated areas of the whole entire world. All of us who live on the East Coast do, right? And so we're also here bound by a lot of common history. And in the case of people who live in America, one of the main things that shapes the masculine energy archetype of kind of what becomes the collective energy that we're dealing with here, and sometimes that's because it's perpetuated systemically and culturally, Sometimes it's because of what's being perpetuated spiritually. And then there's other times because there's these common historical moments like this that bring people together and not necessarily always in a really nice way. And so for me, one of the main things I've been doing for the last couple of years now that I've moved down to America, um, I had started this work down here um, five years ago. Actually, today I was traveling through Boston and different sites in Massachusetts working um, with soldiers. Um, healing the land and working on the trail of tears also healing the land so it's interesting i tell this story now because really it's a continuation of the same thing i've been working on for all this time um and that is that you know when people have battles whatever it is they're battling for a war creates rupture and war creates a lot of pain and there is a lot of unhealed war pain in america and that's in part because there are still so many people who are in active service duty who come back and that pain comes with them, and there aren't really the proper spiritual or structural things in place to help them. And it's also in part because people don't realize how related the energy of the land and the energy of their souls and the energy of their lives' trajectories are. You know, this is kind of a leap for some people, but not all people are here on planet Earth for the first time. And some people carry old soul wounds from being related to events like the ones I'm going to talk about today. Um, Then there's also this thing called the DNA energy archetype memory that exists. And so people who live in a particular area um, or who who share phenotypical characteristics, who share, you know, relationality um, in terms of reproduction, what happens is that we share memory through that. And so even if your soul wasn't necessarily there, because these things happen and weighed so heavily on some parts of the imprint and have not been healed yet, people who are born into and around here feel this stuff very much. And, you know, I have done this work in England and Canada and France and all over the world. This is just one part of the story because I honor, you know, all souls. um, I honor all souls who are lost. And it's really important for me to help them get home. And obviously, it's also very important for me to live in a world that is healthy and happy and safe. And so, you know, I'm, this is what I do. And do I get paid for it? Unfortunately, no. And I really should. And in one of the future podcasts I'm doing is a spotlight on Harriet Tubman. And, you know, just one of the things that Frederick Douglass said about her really hit home. And I think it applies here. And it's just that a lot of people who do the work of moving souls, whether they're alive or dead, and especially when we're women, we do things um, in secret and in hiding. 
And even when we're doing it in plain focus, um, until it's over, a lot of the time people just don't care. And so um, maybe some people will care. And maybe some people will start taking taking care of their soul seriously and recognizing that there are people like me. And this isn't like a, please pay attention to me. Please pay attention to me. This is just part of how the universe works. There are people like me who are dedicated to freedom and who are dedicated to safety and who really want things to work well for people. And so everything I share in this podcast and my blog is done so in the hope that anybody who seeks this knowledge can find it and can help and you know help themselves find their way through because yeah there's people like me on the other side constantly active constantly active one thing that happens and that happens a lot for me now in America is that I find that there are people who are able to help themselves who are just not yet doing it and I also hope that in telling this story if there are any of you in the audience you realize that this is not something you have to be afraid of And I know that there is a part of you that probably is resisting the scary stuff that can come with this, in particular what I talked about in the last segment about people chasing and hunting you. And the way that you make sure that that's not happening to you is you just learn basic tools to take care of yourself and you do it. And that's really all it takes these days because, you know, in the last couple of lifetimes that a lot of us lived in, maybe the last couple thousand years, it's been a pretty bad mess down here, but we have finally got it to a place where it is getting fixed. and. You know, in October, I said the theme was shifting of the veils, and that's really going to be the theme for the next few years. People are going to start seeing what I am talking about here as a more regular part of life again. This is new and and vanguard for right now, but in like the course of our story, it isn't at all. And in fact, the idea that this stuff that I'm talking about could in any way seem weird or creepy is kind of strange in itself because this was just common knowledge for most of the human story because we were very well aware of the journey that a soul took and um, the interfaces between the worlds. And sometimes the veil went on because it was scary and weird, but I guess that's beside the point. <laughs> and I kind of got off into a side. I think it made a good transition. So let's get back to the story about New York. So it's June. We've been working on healing the masculine archetype or we're about to start doing it. And I knew that I had to go on a journey and I had to go somewhere that I had been working on for a while. So I just headed on my way to Buffalo, New York. I also wanted to go and do some energy repair on the mass shooting that had happened there because that was a true atrocity and I could feel that souls were stuck. So it just, you know, I just needed to go do that. And so I did. And then I thought, okay, cool. So as my reward for bossing it out over a really hard winter, I'm going to get myself um, a hotel room down by Niagara Falls and I'm going to stay there and I'm going to get to go walking every single day for a couple days and it's going to be the best thing ever. So this is where you start to learn a little bit about a psychopomp story. I'm going to share some personal details about how the energy tries to fight you when you get close to stuff like this, just as a part of the story. Um, Not as a complaint. I just laugh at this stuff (laughs) because that's how you have to handle it. You just laugh at it because you know that you're stronger than anything that's negative when you're as full of love as I am. And so anything that stands in your path is really just something trying to annoy you. And I'm really not easily put off by stuff like that, especially not after the last couple of lives that I've had. It takes a lot to move this rock in any direction she doesn't want to go. And so I roll up to Niagara Falls and I get to the hotel I'm supposed to stay at. And the hotel just had a policy that I could not agree with that wasn't announced And it was discriminatory, so I could not stay at the hotel. And 
luckily for me, I had a very dear friend who lives there, like I had mentioned. So thank goodness she gave me a spot on her couch. So as we're hanging out on the weekend, I just, you know, I'm we're in Buffalo. I've been there a lot of times. And every time I've been there, I've noticed the energy to be extremely harsh and murdery, to be completely honest. And every time I've been there, um, you know, I'm sober now, but I wasn't before. And I used to drink beer just to like numb, not like, you know, oh, no, you know what? I have no problem in saying it back a couple of years ago before I became sober. The idea of drinking a beer to just kind of quieting the feeling of stuff wanting to kill you. Um, that's something that I used to do. Now I don't need to do that anymore. Thank goodness. Um, so I just, you know, sometimes feel that energy. So I'm rolling in a buffalo and I'm feeling that energy and I'm thinking, you know what? This has something to do with the masculine energy archetype. And this has something to do with what I'm going to do. So I had my trip. We had our journey. And it comes up to Solstice Day. Solstice is like my favorite day. So I'm like, okay, friend, um, drop me off. I'm going to go do my own thing. There's one place I don't want to go because I'm trying to have a good day. And the name of the place I don't want to go is called Devil's Hole. So we get in the car and we're driving and we're driving and we're driving. La, 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 la. We're driving through all these nice parts of Niagara Falls. One place I thought I was going to get off. Oh, that one's closed. Another place I thought I was going to get off. Oh, she drove past it. Third place I want to get off. I think that one was closed too. We get to the end of the park. What's the only freaking gateway left? What is the only place to get down? It's that darn Devil's Hole State Park. And at that point, I was like, okay. I know what kind of day this is going to be. And I'm going to have fun with this. Because I have met these things. I know. I just, I'm going to have fun with this. So I got out of the car. And I put on my headphones. And I started the descent of like what turned out to be like 400 stairs. On a really humid day. Uh, and it turns out, um, at some point on the up and down descent to that stairs, I also think I got COVID, which is really funny and part of the story. So I'm down at the bottom of this gorge now, hiking through Niagara Gorge. And at this point, I hadn't researched Devil's Hole because I wasn't planning on going there. I was planning on going to do something at a place that I had worked on in years before. This was a new site for me, something different. So I just was like, cool, whatever. I'll, I trust where my soul has brought me, and I know that I'm always in the right place, so I'm going to go do what it is I'm supposed to do. So da-da-da-da-da, down like 400 stairs in like 38-degree high humidity energy weather. And I'm walking, 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 and all of a sudden I see this cave. And really, when I say see, I should say I felt the cave before I got to it. And it was a cave on this side of this path, and it just did smelled bad and it looked bad and everything inside of me was like yeah don't go in that that's not a good that's not the kind of cave that you want to do so I thought okay that's probably part of what's going on down here so I keep walking I keep walking and energetically and etherically I felt energy trying to push me and throw me off the trail and throw me off the path and um that's usually for me a sign that something is going on obviously <laughs> Uh, and then I'm somewhere near a site of energetic interference and something that is probably a negative polarity point on the planet. And bing, 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 that's probably what my soul had brought me there to fix. And so how does a negative polarity point happen and what's the? how did all this relate together? Well, later on when I came back up the hill and did some research, I found out that that particular cave that I walked by is called the Cave of the Evil Spirit. 
in local myths. So there's two different layers to this, and I'm going to tell you both of them because it's absolutely fascinating. And this is just an interesting story because a lot of people that I know have been to Niagara Falls. A lot of people I know live in Buffalo. These are the types of things that exist in our backyard. And these are the types of things I actually spend my life doing. So if you're interested in hearing more, subscribe and let me know. I would love to tell more of these stories if this is something people find interesting. You never know. So according to one, the first layer of the story, this place is called the Cave of Evil Spirits. And there is a very strong warning that comes from the local mythology to say stay out of there. So I'm just going to read from a website, uh, Road Trippers. I'll link it. It says, in 1669, there came to the Niagara River, Robert Cavalier de La Salle, who wrote, oh, who in the succeeding 18 years was to be Niagara's most frequent visitor. He wrote, he was the fifth white man to set foot on Niagara County soil. So he's brand new. This is like early settler interaction stuff. So the Canadian explorer and his Native American guide passed by the cave. And when he inquired about its contents, his guide related the following story, warning LaSalle not to enter. Ages and ages of prosperity to the red man had passed from the time of his first creation. The great spirit loved his red children and gave them his country for the sole use and enjoyment. So it would have continued forever if the great falls, whose thunder we now hear so plainly, had continued near the spot where your canoe landed. But the red man had become bad and vexed the great spirit with their war parties. The rocks began to fall off amid thunders and storms, and scarcely a moon passed that was not marked by some change. Moons and moons passed, and the falls were above this devil's hole, which then became open to the rapids, and the evil spirit could get out. Noise of thunder, shrieks, and groans were often heard from the darkened den, which greatly excited the curiosity of fine young brave who insisted upon examining the secrets of this dark prison house. Armored for battle, he descended with much difficulty, and we never saw him more. Then came the word that the pale faces in the vast canoes which could carry an army had come out of the great sea and landed under the midday sun. The evil was distant, and we thought little of it. Time passed on, and another of our young men descended into the cavern. He returned in a few hours, a raving maniac, and his hair, which had been black and glossy as a raven, had become white as snow. Such is the tradition of our rice, said his guide. Judge then, my white brother, whether you could disturb the evil spirit of this abode and not suffer the penalty. And so, there. this is, this guy, LaSalle, apparently then tried to go into the cave, and the cave actually told him to get the F out and to go back to Canada, and um, gave him a really big warning. Anyway, long story short, the LaSalle guy got murdered um, by his own men. And he was left to lay decayed in the woods shortly after the cave incident. He didn't listen, right? He went into the cave. So then, interestingly enough, nah, so this all happened. Let's see. I didn't give you a date. This all happened. Mm -mm, mm -mm, mm -mm, my notes. Um, around 1669. And so the Devil Hole Massacre, which was a battle between those very settlers that this myth was about, and um, Chief Pontiac and his people happened in 1763. So we're talking 1669. We're getting the recorded story from LaSalle about how there's this myth about this cave and how down there there was a whole bunch of war. And that that war had incited, had been happening as the falls were receding, which was a thing, really. And that 
in the process of that, an evil spirit who had been buried in the land, who has probably been enticing the war, is my in my thought, um, was exposed and then was able to lure people into the cave. So that's the cave I passed. One of the other things that I learned, like I said, is that at this exact same location was the Devil's Hole Massacre. And if you're not aware of the Devil's Hole Massacre, the Battle of Devil's Hole, it was fought there um, in September 14th of 1763. And um, it was 300 Seneca warriors and they killed 81 British soldiers and wounded eight. And there was a lot of stuff like scalping and things that I'm not going to say on podcasts, but that did happen um, by these warriors at this time that would have been extremely negatively soul damaging. And so a couple of different layers here. One reason I went down there is because there actually was an evil spirit down there. And that evil spirit actually was wreaking havoc on the energy of the land. And I don't know if you know about Buffalo. I love Buffalo and I love visiting there. And one of my best friends in the world is from there. And I go there every chance I get. This is not a down on Buffalo thing. But anybody who lives there and has lived there understands that a dark under underbelly of energy did and does exist and connect there spiritually. And that, you know, I mean, the fact that Weinstein was running around doing stuff like he was doing there with his business kind of says it all as an example, right? Like when really bad energy happens in a place, it can sometimes become a cesspool for other bad energy and other stuff spiritually. So in line with this story, it just so happened that very recently a, a young person had been killed or killed themselves, it's not sure, just up the bank from where we were at. And so one of the reasons why it was important for me to go there on a number of different layers that I found out after the point, I thought I was going to do something fun, but I realized, like I said, as I was down the stairs, that it was not going to be fun at all. I realized I had some repairing to do and that there were souls there. Um, what had happened was that, you know, whatever was going on with the evil spirit and whatever had happened during that battle had left an indelible, like it had left a really, really, really heavy mark on that land. And it was kind of interesting because that's also a place that a lot of people go hiking. And it's a place that a lot of people go to drink and do drugs. And for me, thinking about it as from a spiritual perspective, from a psychopomp perspective, over the years, people going into that cave and doing that kind of stuff were putting themselves in spaces where they were being vulnerable to like a really bad negative energy. And one of the things that you will notice is that negative spaces can have an alluring feel and appeal, almost like a sexiness to them. <coughs> Sorry. Almost has like a sexiness to them. And that sexiness um, encourages and attracts people, the wounded parts of people, or the easily influenced or the sad parts of people to him because that's more of that vibration. And so for me, another thing that was important for me to do while I was there and also in telling this story was to unhook a lot of little solo fragments that I found down there um, and that have been using and being used still to weigh down some people with some really negative energy. And I returned them to the people who had been living there. So that was, you know, some of the soldiers who had been killed in that battle. It was some of the people who were... Um, you know, the Seneca people who had been involved in that battle. Uh, it was some of the people who had been killed and committed suicide down there since. Uh, it was some of the people who had gone down there in their pain and their sorrow and fed themselves to it. And for me, as a gatekeeper, 
and as well as the gatekeeper and has um, a psychopomp, I just am compelled by my love to find those places and to help lift them up. And it's really nice to be able to tell this story because at this point, I feel safe too. And so the truth of it is, you know, and please don't try to create one. The truth of it is that negative energies and negative entities gravitate to one another and layer on other one another over time. And a place can become an evil place or a place where a gateways to extremely negative energies, or in this case, it really was a gateway to hell. Um, if you need, like just some stuff I can't talk about on any platform other than my own private pages, um, was going on down there and it was dark magic, bad stuff. And, you know, closing those places is very satisfying, but it's also scary because it comes with a cost at times. And so for me and the aftermath of this particular story, going down there and shifting that energy and closing it off, um, after I finished the job, I I was like, okay, this place is scary AF. It's time for me to get out of here. So I go to climb up the 400 stairs. And I'm in really good shape. And I had to stop like seven or eight times getting up those stairs. I could barely breathe or walk. And then I had to hike another 20, almost, oh no, sorry, 15 more kilometers that day in ceremony. And I did that. And it turns out I was doing that with COVID. And then and then on top of that, which was interesting, but also funny to me, because you could feel the energy trying to punish you. You get COVID right after you go do it. And then I have to travel home, right? And as soon as I get home, first thing that happens when I arrive home is I, I, we're basically witness to a shooting. And then the thing right after that is that my whole, I wake up, you know, and I've got COVID, so that's enough. <laughs> Actually, it didn't really bother me that much. I didn't get that sick with it. I wake up, I have COVID. And then I look at the wall in my living room and it's covered with an infestation of flying ants and I don't know where they came from. So that's the pestilence. And that to me, when those three things happened in the aftermath of what I did down there, let me know just how serious the energy actually was that I had just been dealing with. And it also told me that my soul didn't let my down here part know what I was doing in the forefront because if I would have, I would have created a thought ripple and it would have just made it more dangerous for myself. And so for me, in that case, the glory of the story was that I did it and that I got to help free a whole bunch of souls. And it was really nice to raise that part of the masculine energy archetype and help the people who had been trapped up in that become integrated and whole again. Because this is one of the other things that matters about being a psychopomp. You're like, well, why does this matter? Why would you do this? These people are dead. Who cares, right? These people are part of this universe. And as long as you are part of this universe, I care about your freedom. And... When you are disconnected and you're not as a, a full unified soul, what can happen is that you are easily manipulated by things like this evil spirit. So the people who were connected to the stuff down there, all that negative energy, when they left their soul pieces, the entity that was the evil spirit that was actually still active down there was using them. And I can say that because I'm pretty sure I've met somebody who is from that town who had the same energy of the spirit that I met in the cage. And I've seen him and what he does. And so basically what the thing down there was doing was just feeding through people and, and acting as an energy vampire and an energy siphon and causing trouble and chaos and drama every day on these specific alignments that these specific ones were. And so for me on a metaphysical level to conquer that thing was really powerful and it pleased me.
And what is the moral of this story? There are a few to take away from this one. First and foremost is if there is a myth about a place being dangerous, there may be a reason why there is. And so do yourself a favor and just like don't go in there to feed yourself to it. I know that there are people who are going to come to this who are going to say, I'm going to find a gate to hell in my area and I'm going to go to it. I'm going to close it. The second thing I want to say about this is that there is always a risk in telling detailed stories like this because there are people who are curious and eager to help the planet and they love the idea of being a superhero. What I want to say is that these are the kinds of things that actually can hurt you very badly and, and they can take your life away from you if you are not careful. And I've seen that happen to people in this and other lifetimes. And the best thing that anyone can do right now, if they want to help the planet, is really learn how to heal and hear their soul. And that's the first and the foremost, right? All of it comes down to being the best people that we can be and taking accountability for your soul and what you reproduce in your actions. And you know, where you are spiritually is something powerful and beautiful and great. And once you get that down, then you can come do the other stuff, which is also fun, but only if you are properly trained. If you are interested in learning about how to take care of your soul in a meaningful and grounded way, I have a book and a learning program called Soul Compass is the book. Pathways to Conscious Self-Connection is the learning program. Who better to learn about how to heal and take care of your soul from than a psychopomp, somebody who spends all day helping souls in the astral world and this world and all of the other places that I go to unify and be themselves again. It's the best advice I can give. And yeah, if you liked this idea, concept, the psychopomp stories, if you have any more questions about my adventures or journeys, I've been on a lot of them, a lot of them to do with Mary Magdalene and Jesus Christ and through France and Europe, spent a lot of time in Ireland and England, and I really have had a lot of exciting life experiences that I feel inspired to start talking about. Now, I think people are ready to hear about the sacred parts of the planet in a new and in different way. So if you like it, hit the subscribe button. Come find me on Instagram at Katie Indy Crow, Crow Medicine, Katie, my blog, Crow-Medicine. Sign up for my email list, which I will link to this page itself. And come back another time. I would love to see you here again. More from me soon. Your girl, Katie Indy Crow. Did you feel inspired by this story and wonder what you could do to support me in fulfilling the work that I do for this planet? One practical way is to send in gifts of donation and support. You could do that to Crow Medicine uh, at Buy Me a Coffee or at paypal.me slash Crow. All proceeds received through donations and gifts of support will be put toward creating this programming to educate you on what's going on with the planet, but also, and most importantly, to fund some journeys that I have to go on in the upcoming months to do what it is that I do. If you are able to make a contribution, any amount is appreciated. You can find the links to do so right along with this podcast. And thank you so much. I appreciate you.